Welcome to Seize the GM. I'm your host, Zended. I am your co-host, Jules. And I'm Garda Moje. Have you ever had a great idea for a campaign? Do you have a group of friends who want to play an RPG, but you have no one to run it? Do you want to see what the world is like behind the GM screen instead of in front of it? Well, we're here to help you do just that. Each week, the three of us will be discussing various GMing topics, terminology, maps, atmosphere, world building, you name it. So sit back and relax. Let us help you. Improve your art of GMing. One show at a time. We are entering the banter segment. Hey, hey. I think we got to get that intro bit fixed. I think you put a taggy on at the, the end of it. Maybe. No, 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 no. You don't need to worry about getting it fixed because you know what's going to happen. When we get it updated. It's going to change I'm, again. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to leave again or something or it'll be weird. Just I know. Like yeah. I, I think the only thing we need to do is see if we can up its volume a little. It's fine with me, buddy. Yeah, I can play with some stuff, but no, no, we're not letting you play with anything anymore. Last time you summoned a dog so off, and we are not letting you do that again. It was you couldn't get him out of your sound card, and it was all wet and squishy. Look, the tech the tech gnomes have said they are not answering our phone calls for at least four months, so. Yeah, pretty much. What do you have to, dude? I am the tech gnome. Technically, yeah, <laughs> it's true. Well, oh my god, it has been crazy. So, what have you guys been up to? I submitted something for Gen Con. Ooh, and it got kicked back, and I've got to rewrite it. Now I'm freaking out. I'm like, uh, maybe I can just abandon it. No. Yeah, I can I can completely abandon it and not do it. Yeah. No, no, you have to do this now. Oh hell no. We're your <laughs> friends. I didn't know if you I was gonna be abandon. going. Well, I didn't know if I was gonna be going, so I submitted it after. Oh, okay. You know, but and they, they kicked it back and they're like, uh th- there's I gotta rewrite like the intro and the this and that and the other, so Okay. Uh, they, they, I have no idea what the hell I'm doing. I, I got the email today about it and i'm like crap hey <laughs> that's yeah they want me to mod it and i'm like i don't know what the hell i'm doing <laughs> i'm gonna ruin it i'm gonna oh god you're, you're not, not gonna, gonna ruin it uh bull the orc decker of legend put me in contact with jason blair yes i saw that happen i do think that's pretty cool <laughs> what the hell <laughs> so oh, to fill everyone so- in at home yeah, you 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 are much better on the expository and and you you are the intro person. Like two houses, both alike, and you know dignity. I know. I just didn't want to go on too long with it. You know, it's Shakespeare. Not everyone likes it. They're going to be really disappointed in the upcoming weeks with some of my recommendations. I but, love, well, I love Shakespeare, so foo. But yes, but, Jules you know, is a. Uh, Trying to run a game of one of her favorites at Gen Con. 
which is little fears. You've heard us talk about it before. And so she's in the process of dotting I's, crossing T's, and getting all of this fun stuff done that you got to get done to get in the cons. And in the meantime, on social media, one of our mutual friends, Bull the Orc Decker, puts her in touch with, on the same thread with, and says, hey, creator of this awesome game, here is a person who loves it and is trying to bring it to more people. I could hear the squeeing from off my phone. I could just see it happen. I wasn't even, and the thing is, like, I didn't even respond for like a day and a half. <laughs> I didn't. What the hell do you say? Hi. Squee? Squee. Well, yeah. look, I, I have this horrible, like, you know, it is like but with authors I like, and then you don't realize, and you're chatting with people online, you kind of don't put two and two together, and you're like, oh shit. But, you know, and but then by that time, you've already kind of got a rapport, and it's not quite as like, oh, you're that. Oh, oops. Yeah. But this, this, oh boy. Uh, uh, <laughs> it's, it was the first game I ever really GM'd, you know, like I, I had the want to do it and the desire to really throw myself into it rather than just uh, let's try and do a module kind of bullshit, you know? And I'm like, ah, and everyone has been after me to, to run little fears. And I don't know why, because next to none of you have had me as a GM. So what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> Your infectious love of the game inspires other people to want to try it. Yeah. Yeah. But why are you asking me to run it? Because it's your infectious love of the game. Yeah. That's how this works. Uh, you guys know that I'm crazy, right? That makes, I, I'm certifiable. I was going to say, have you seen all of the rest of us here that are doing this? We're all in that same boat. Yeah, but who actually had electrodes out of her head recently? Okay, that would be that, you. That would be you. No. Oh yeah, I look like oh my. This, this, this is like early Trodenet, by the way. Early Trodenet. Yeah, I think we accidentally got hit with a uh, mute button there, but the early Trodenet is not nearly as comfortable as uh, they would have you believe, is it, Jules? That, oh, God. I I had it on last, no, yeah, last week. I'm still dealing with glue in my hair. <laughs> and I have very short, very fine hair. And I've got a boar, boar hair, boar bristle brush. I'm still getting glue out of my hair. Have you used lemon juice? Doesn't work. This is new stuff. Oh. Yeah. They, they had to spray a solvent on my head. Oh. Science is not always your friend. Are you kidding me? It was great. I could actually just like, you could smell it. And then I'm like, that's me. That's the solvent. Even in spite of all the bullshit in life, I can still make you laugh. So go me. And <sighs> that's why we want you to be a game master. Yeah. Well, considering what we've got uh, coming up in the next couple of weeks, super happy funny. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Teaser. Yeah. Teaser. And by the way, guys, guess what I'm eating? It's the most delicious thing in the whole world. Green tea Kit Kats. Sushi? I'm allergic to most of that, oh, dude. Uh, yeah. Um, Ronnie and pistachios. Tree clamps? Uh-huh. One of, one of my coworkers had to go do work and he brought like he, they had like a little bag um you know like like on the airlines kind of a thing like a little and he knew i like pistachios so i'm like oh yummy <laughs> you know so it 
Oh, they're so amazing. And I still like tree clams. Tree, tree clams. Tree clams are awesome. They are. They really, really are. Oh, yeah. In a future I'm closing remarks. Yeah, make cookies of them. In a future closing remarks, I'll tell you guys where I got that if you haven't found it by then. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, what are we doing tonight, kids? Well, tonight is actually kind of a fun thing because what we are going to be doing is we are going to be doing GM Library Part 3. So this is part of an ongoing series we've been doing since we actually started the whole show. And it is more recommendations for not gaming books specifically that you can use to expand your actual library or mining ideas, or anything like that. Some kind of non-gaming book that will enhance your capacity as a GM, or maybe even just a player. As we know, there are a few of you players who have not yet crossed the threshold to join us here on this side of the GM screen. Yes, those those poor people that, that refuse to drink the Kool-Aid. <laughs> uh, the thing is, like this is episode three. However, if we start getting into non-Euclidean numbering, blame null. He's the one that has the cats. (laughs) He's the one that has the cats, and we all know cats are tied in deep with the outer gods. And, you know, Cthulhu thinks cats are cute, so. I am uh, instructed by my my masters that uh, I am not allowed to comment on that. Um, And also, we are out of treats. (laughs) Ah, gotcha. (laughs) I will make sure sure that your lord and master uh, gets a fresh batch. So if we're if we're doing books, who's starting us out? I'll go ahead and start. Get the first one out of the way because it may be the old, but the the oldest published book in our list today. If you haven't, go pick up the Poetics by Aristotle. This is literally def- the definitive book about Western narrative tradition and the importance and how to address them. The oldest piece of literary and dramatic theory extant in Western civilization. I don't know of any in the East that predate it, but it could be there. Uh, it was written particularly with Greek theatrical tradition in mind, but it serves to this day as a blueprint for any storyteller to understand how you approach an audience. It's a uh, second part dives deeper into comedy is kind of lost in time, or maybe not, depending on certain research and the basis for certain novels of the past. But it breaks down the parts of a story, what matters in them, and how to inspire you either in agreement or opposition to this day to tell a story. Cool. Slick. I like it. And of course you would be bringing something like that, Mr. Smarty Man. (laughs) This is why you keep me around is for those components. Yeah. Yeah, well, I'm kind of in the same boat, though, with you here. No, yeah. Because as a general rule, mine usually follow very similar things. (laughs) Yeah, me, me and Null are very similar in that they're where the hell did that one come from? It works. Uh, left field, that- right field, but never in the center. Exactly. This is why. This is why you and I. It, I've gotten so many good books from Null. It's awesome. Well, do you, <laughs> Jules? Do you want to go ahead and tell us your first recommendation? Oh, I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Kurt Vonnegut's Slaughterhouse Five. Um. It's actually one of my most favorite books. I have a phrase from that book actually tattooed on my left arm. Unfortunately, due to that part getting 
arm, my arm actually getting a little bit burned. It's blown out a little bit. It's a book based on the bombing of Dresden. And it follows the life of a dude named Billy. And here's where it's kind of cool. Sci-fi concepts presented in a non-science fiction book. He becomes unstuck in time. So the start of the book isn't the start of the book. And the end of the book isn't the end, isn't the end of the story. So it is jumping. It, it is non-chronologically style of writing. So Billy, and, and it follows Billy in real time as he becomes unsuck, as if you were walking with him. And the there's science fiction elements of like aliens and time slips, but it's not a science fiction book. Those, those are just mechanics that serve the story. And the thing that it gives you a really good way of how to do non, non-time linear storytelling and still make it work. But you got to be real careful with it. And just Vonnegut, Vonnegut uh, you know, is the 20th century Mark Twain, if you want to kind of figure it out like that. He's, he has a wonderful writing style, kind of a little sarcastic, very snarky. But in a way, I mean, that was the first non uh non-sci-fi book with with serious science fiction elements that I'd ever read. And it just, and you need to learn how to, like not everything has to start at the beginning, go on into the middle and stop when you get to the end. You can have some fun with it. So if you're playing like, you know, mutants and masterminds, you got to do with the time, uh, time manipulation. You can see how you can do it. And it's just, it's so captivating. I love it. Okay. Sorry, I kind of went a little again. No. Damn it! <laughs> no, no, that's totally. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I've never been a a fan of of Vonnegut, but that's just me. <laughs> well, instead of Vonnegut, what are you going to tell us to read? <sighs> okay, so a lot of people uh, take take issue with this book because Imagica by Clyde Barker is, it is this really crazy spiral of like world building that shows you just how crazy you can really get with it because it takes tangents and it runs them out and then it brings them back and it does it again and over and over and over in this. Mm. And all of these characters are like so like rich, multi-layered. And Clive Barker is not known for long-form storytelling. He is an amazing short story author. Everything he has done that's been really long-form kind of falls apart after about the novella length. This is one that is probably one of the, this one and the second one are like the longest things that he'd written at at the time that I was reading them. And Imagica is, uh, it's just so many crazy, like it's fantasy and science fiction and present day kind of all mishmashed together. And it takes place not here, but in another place called Imagica. And it's, uh, I love this book. (laughs) 
I can tell, my friend. I can tell. It, it's one that – it is. It's a strange book to read because the characters – you're getting it from a perspective of you're only getting bits and pieces of the story as it really unfolds because the main character doesn't remember anything. Well, the story as it unfolds, that, that slow tension build – yeah, you got oh, that. You got that in the book. In the book, Dracula, not the movie. Book. Yeah. And, slow and burn. This is this is the, the thing. Like it is that real slow. Like you see where it's going. Once you get to the top of the hill, and you're not really sure you want to see the end of it because of how well it's done, and there's so much horror thrown into it because it's. Clive Barker. So of course there's going to be horror in it <laughs> and in ways that you weren't expecting, which was, which is one of the really fun parts about that is you just don't expect the, those horror elements that he throws in because they just kind of come out of left field. So well, there's that, that one. For me, that's the way I see it with Clive Barker is you, you know, there's going to be horror. You just don't know how he's going to do it. Yeah. Yeah. So, no, what have you got? Well, I went to a little on the nose with the what a GM should have in their library and went with the original Dragonlance Chronicles back in the TSR days of publishing for D&D. Mm. Basically, a lot of RPGs... I, I could slow clap, man. <laughs> well, a lot of RPGs do a good job of trying to convey the story and their settings in the manuals they give you. But sometimes it's really good to see how the game designers themselves portray their world, how they kind of see the stories in it. And the Dragonlance Chronicles were the first, like this is a hard fantasy I've ever read. And they were the first RPG focused fantasy or books in general I've ever read. So I've got to kind of self place my heart for them, but they do a good job of showing off the world the designers had in mind while presenting adventuring hooks and things like that. These particular books are really good in terms of showing off the array of characters players could play while also kind of giving you links to try to say, okay, so that is what a nice salami is that I am butchering that word. <laughs> Doesn't matter. So, but uh, yeah. So I definitely have to recommend them. They're just books in general in that era of. Yeah, sorry. Babbling a second. <laughs> just books in general of written by the RPG designers tend to have a lot of strength in them and just show off just how fun their worlds can be. Yeah. That one in particular. Like that was their game. Those those original, no, like the original novel, I believe, was literally based on their game. Yes, they were I running. <laughs> that is how I understand it. Yeah, that was. I I don't remember who was running it, but I believe it was Margaret that was running the game. <laughs> but I could be wrong. It could have been Tracy. But it was one of them, right on them. and uh, they, then they they actually took what the, like their game notes and turned it into novels, and then pitched it. And that's when they ended up actually doing the 
the like, you know, the book, here's, here's the world. You've read the game. You've read the, the books already. Now you can play in the world. So oh, and it does kind of give a good description of why the books themselves feel like the characters have a history. Yeah. So. Yeah, it was it was cool. I, I do like that series. And then if you really want to get into Dragonlance, then there's like tons and tons and like there's hundreds so of books. There I got to tell you, silly little bit of trivia. My my father actually read the Dragonlance books. And he had no idea that it was what it was tied to. And I, cause he was not a fan of gaming. Mm-hmm. He wasn't, he wasn't, he was, he loved sci-fi, loved fantasy, all that stuff, but he wasn't a big fan of like gaming and tabletop. It wasn't his thing. I, I couldn't bring myself to tell him. <laughs> cause he, he really thoroughly enjoyed them. So I, I couldn't. <laughs> well, they were, they were good high fantasy. Oh, oh, yeah. But, you know, Tully's like, oh, yeah, it's based on it. And that it's like, you know, the dad face. Yeah. You know, everyone remembers. I have it. <laughs> no, you don't. You are you are a faceless collection of oh. um, pixels at this point. Oh, and, okay. uh, and 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 bits. OK. Yeah. I think and then about a month. I'll, I won't be right. Yeah. I think all of us at some point or some level kind of connect with one of the characters, one of the heroes of the Lance, and, and it kind of reveals some of our internal uh, tendencies. But that's a whole different show that we'll talk yeah, about some other time. Uh, I'm going to go. Heroes. Yeah. Mm. I'm going to recommend. Maybe you uh, did. <laughs> I always like the bad guys. I'm going to go ahead and recommend uh, as another book from which GMs can draw inspiration and knowledge, Fear and Loathing on the Campaign Trail 72 by Hunter S. Thompson. Uh, what? There are a lot of games that involve political intrigue and the power that congregates around them. Hunter S. Thompson wrote a book about the 1972 U.S. presidential election and provides his signature gonzo style, and in my opinion, provides a deeper insight into the human condition and experience than the more famous fear and loathing that you may already be familiar with. If you want a peek at a power structure and the struggles that go into maintaining that power structure, and and also enjoy Thompson's iconoclastic and irreverent view, I think you should pick it up. At the end of the day, there's a point with Hunter S. Thompson in a car with President Nixon. You know you want to read it. Oh, that's yeah, so I, cool. I do. I, I, I want to read that right now. <laughs> um, I have it. It's in my queue for uh, audiobooks. The thing is, like, it's been in my queue for a year. I've just been so slow in going through all my stuff. Yeah. And I've – because – I forgot how much I liked Hunter S. Thompson. I'm like, oh, hey. Ah, all right, I'm going to have to move it up in my queue. Well, hey, and it happens to Zippy's got to kick my butt. It's always a good book to read in an even-numbered year because it's an election year. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's definitely uh, something that I need to get a hold of. <laughs> oh, heck Yeah. Actually, might be that might be some kind of fun thing. We all read it and then figure out how we would use it or what we would use it in our games. Yeah, maybe future episode. Tapping my nose. Episode. 
Mm-hmm. I, Stay tuned. Watch this space. Yes. I may or may I may or may not have already written stories that revolve around these questions. <laughs> <laughs> Some of those, like you do, power struggles, political intrigue. Come on, really? You think I haven't used this book? Oh, I'm sure of it. <laughs> That's what scares me. All right. So what is the, what's your next one, Jules? Um. All right, me fine, fine. Yeah. All right. Um, full disclosure, I have actually become friends with the author here. So, but I am taking the books Shaken and Neat. Uh, they are Shadowrun no- novels by uh, Russell, aka Rusty Zimmerman. Uh, dude's a author. He's a game designer. Um, you know, thing is, like, he's a history professor as well. And him and me were chatting one time and we both had this whole thing is like history didn't get good until after we had left school where we learning all the stuff was free. We weren't allowed to learn the cool part of history and in the the way that we liked it because history, you know, is, is it event focused or people focused? It's the interactions and all the and he's very well aware of that. And he puts that into into his stories. A lot of it. um his those two books are their noir pulp style detective honest to god detective stories and it's done that in the shadowrun world which is very heavily cyberpunk and he's able to get the and he's able to blend it and he's able to make you know cuz you're reading it as if you know, kind of like almost a, a dude's recollecting it, you know, like like that old noir style. But it get like that thing with history is like he makes it interesting and gripping and you pay attention to it and you remember it. And it's, well, why am I remembering this? You know, mm-hmm. and the other thing, I, I it's, you know, they're fun. But the other thing is also is you got a friend that likes cyberpunk, but they're not really into detective stories. All right, that's a gateway. If you got a friend that likes like old Cagney detective pulp style stories, this is a gateway into getting them into cyberpunk. And it's a way to he, he done he's also done some work with uh, Earth Dawn and other game IPs. And it's never just fantasy. It's never just noir. It's never just sci-fi. It's and they don't. It's not like this is noir in a sci-fi world. They're so evenly blended. I don't see that in a lot. So that's that's the one thing. I, and the thing for me is like he, he's extremely passionate about, well, a lot of us don't get to see the good stuff until we find it on our own, like how history is being taught or, you know, a lot of us are all kind of there's all these set classics and he's like, no, 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 you'll find it. You'll find it. There's There's a way you'll see it, you know? Because like, it's like I, I stumbled into 12 Angry Men, like that old that old movie. Now, if I was forced to watch it in school where everything was so dry, I wouldn't have gotten it. But because I was interested in what was going on that time and, and, and in the world, I stumbled on it and it made the world richer. So he's also a big proponent of that. So. Nice. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay, so my next Sorry, one. Sorry, I ramble. No, no, it's fine. Of course, <laughs> it's fine. So my next one is actually not a specific book. 
but a style. Because there are so many of them out there. And that is books on Eastern philosophy. Because in the West, we're always taught, read Aristotle, read Plato, you know, read all of these. Socrates. Yeah. Yeah. Read everybody that's in Europe. Just read their stuff. And very few people actually look at the other half of the world or more than half of the world. We're Americans. Would you expect anything else? Right. But their, their, their way of thought, their ideas, they're so far away from the way Western thoughts work and the lessons that they teach and dive into in philosophy are different. And part of it is not just rooted in the thought, but it's also rooted in the religion because in Eastern philosophy, most of it is so interwoven with religious philosophy and just general philosophy that it's kind of hard to separate the two in Unless you're reading like very specific, but even like when you read like things written by Confucius, you're reading Confucianism. You know, it's yeah, it doesn't work without the religion. And those elements can be you can take those things and take them apart and add them into like if you're working on a culture that is very socially aware and dynamic, you can pull Chinese philosophical like ideas out and place them in it and you've just changed that culture from what it was very western thinking to something that's not quite western anymore and you know there's Mm -hmm. you can find little bits like that and you just pull those little bits and you drop them in and that's how it can just radically change like your concept of a culture even So that's why I always try to include things from like, you know, India, China, Japan, you know, Korea, Korea, all of it. I mean, Mongolian, you know, all of that area. There's so much that happens philosophically that it's not like in America. Or in Europe, I mean, where there were small, little, tight areas. I mean, these were spanning entire dynasties that we were just like kind of, you know, in Europe, we're just kind of barely trugging along. And these people were making, you know, dynamite and shit. (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, it's just a different way of thinking. (laughs) So, you know, grab some of those bits and throw them in. It can really change that. A little bit, like I said, more recent history buff, by studying that, like the story of Admiral Yi from Korea. And you find out he's in the the, the Confucian court, stuff like that. You actually get to understand a little bit more of his mentality because of how he adhered to certain tenets. Because you're like, why would he keep doing that? That's why. 
Yeah. And it helps, it gives you a deeper insight, you know, just into, so if you might be doing like a historical game or something like that. We always don't have to do future or fantasy or something like that. You know, we've, we've shown there's more. Oh yeah. kind of need to understand it a little bit better. So like, it, you know, yeah, it, it's, and it's freaking Admiral Yee, dude. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's all kinds of, of really fun and, and interesting things that you can do with that. So, yeah, Darn skippy. pull them apart. So, well, we know we know Null doesn't have another one here. I, oh, however, I had three of them. I said, yeah, you had a trilogy. Well, he had three of them. He, he had, had three of them. One. Okay. Well, and he I'm, just had a figure. Yeah, he figured out how to bend them all into one entry. I'm in maxed. <laughs> yes, you did. <laughs> it was an efficient use. Um, I've got a third one. We can go ahead and throw out and just kind of. Okay wrap that all up. And that's going to be the Philip K. Dick reader. Philip K. Dick has put into play decades of popular culture and futurism you're already familiar with. The movies, Total Recall, Minority Report, Blade Runner, all of these come from Philip K. Dick stories. You, uh. you need to read how these ideas came about and how these novels shaped our conception of a popular future. He challenged the mindset of entire generations in applying an unforgettable prose to science fiction that reverberates across the years. You do not have an idea of the future that has not been touched by Philip K. Dick's imagination. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he... You're all, we're kind of like, yeah, we can't really argue with that in any way. They're, they, it was really hard. You know, you'd be really hard pressed to. Yeah. to Here's do the that. thing, though. If if you want a quick primer before you before you jump into the book, there is a show called The Prophets of Science Prophets of Science Fiction, and they do have an episode on Philip K. Dick, which gives a very. Uh, they don't do, go into as much specifics because I know this book and I've read it. Thank you, uh, Gordon Maljain. I read someone else that's read it, but. The, that episode was actually an interesting primer. So depending on, you know, because we know Philip K. Dick isn't also for anyone, everyone. We might like what he does, but, you know, if you want to see about a primer, if you'd be interested, check the episode and then read the book, then read the book again, and then scratch your head, then read it again. Okay. Yeah. I love that book. I'm sorry. I got it as a Christmas present a couple of years back. Okay. That's pretty cool. Okay, well, I think that kind of wraps up our our stories. Now, there are going to be links to all of them in the doodly do. All of them in the doodly do. Mm-hmm. So, if you guys are interested, please go check any of these out and totally come find us on our Facebook group. Or on Patreon, if you're doing that. And, you know, just kind of get involved with us. Let us know what you think about these ideas that we're pitching out there. Are, do you agree? Do you disagree? Have you read them? Do you think we made a bad choice? Or if you think we're right because you read them, let us know. Twitter, Facebook, Facebook groups. But the good news GMs is... do have a fragile ego, you know. Like, come on. Validate us. 
<sighs> well, I'm a little weird. You know that. Of course you are. All right. So, so uh, let's go ahead and flip into something new. Okay. Lexicon, where we give you cool words to help improve your vocabulary. All right. Are we ready? Amyotropic lateral sclerosis. I just knew I could say it. That is not the word. I know. <laughs> what popularity is that word, though? <laughs> you don't want to know. <laughs> Bring it. Cognomen. What? Cognomen. Oh. Formal name of a Roman citizen? Actually... It is the third name of a male citizen of Rome. If, oh my god! <laughs> it is. It's specifically. It's the third name. I, I know, but the, it's ah, it's it's like it it's like be, is so close to it, and it almost feels pedantic, but not exactly. It, but you're right. But it's also it can also be a distinguished, like a distinguishing nickname. Ooh, interesting. Yes. Well, I mean, I, oh. I know nomen, and so cognomen meant... Name. Yeah, well, when I say no, nomens were... They are important in Roman civilization, and... Mm-hmm. All right, I'm going to stop now because yep. I, I'm about to go into Roman political structure, and that's a whole different show. That is a totally different show. But and stay probably tuned. Probably one that we may actually do at some point. Oh, it's so much fun when you start... Anyway... We, you know what? You, you've pretty much nailed most of the origin and etymology of this word. So <laughs> yeah. I'm not even going to really go into it. No, nope. see first, what you missed. But its first known use was in 1691 when they actually named it. When they named the name. Oh. Yeah, when they named the naming convention. So I think that's where it was actually probably from. And its popularity is in the bottom 30% of words. You think? <laughs> Just because hey. I read Roman history for fun a few years ago. Hey, hey nothing wrong with that, buddy. I, I'm I'm listening to the History of Rome podcast. It's awesome. So, yeah. Well, you know, we've been kind of going. So I think what we're going to do is we're just going to go right into some closing remarks and shout outs. And then we're going to call this bad boy Dawn. We survived another episode, and so did you. Pat yourself on the back. Yay. (laughs) All right. So. No, we'll go first. What? what? Me? Yeah. Okay. (laughs) You have the best stuff, man. Make people happy. Well, I mean, I can't say that my particular uh, point of interest is going to make people happy, but it's entertaining. Yes. I've been a bit of an SCP kick lately, and I found a fun little series that started up last year on YouTube called SCP Confinement. And do you remember those kind of like light, sarcastic humor cartoons that MTV used to have back in the late 90s, early 2000s? Like the Max? Kind of. Less comic booky, more sarcastic. Mm. No, no, but but I'm just saying is that the right era, like when they had the Max? No, that was 90s. Yeah, about five years, six years after that. Yeah. 
Okay, I know when you're talking about. Okay, so SCP confinement kind of has that vibe of you're in the weird secure, contain, protect environment, that kind of creepypasta thing, except it's about a dude who can't really die, but gets really annoyed when people kill him and he responds. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) And I'm going to leave you with that premise because the first episode really focuses on that. It's a lot of fun. There's like six or seven episodes, I think, maybe five. They they produce one every three or four months or so at this point. So it's a lot of fun. It's silly. They reference ones from the actual SCP site, so they do give proper linkage to them. It's they're fun. They're worth checking out. They're blessed. Cool. Awesome. All right, Gardemoje, go. I'm going to go ahead and recommend Preludes by Debussy. What we're looking at is an Impressionist-style set of piano pieces that really played around and explored the ideas of of harmony that was available around 100 years ago, about 1910, 1915. Uh, Debussy's Preludes. Nice. You would go classical music, dude. Do you know? Of course he would. Of course, yes. He knows my weakness because I can never enjoy that because I played them. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Jules, go. Oh, I hate you all. (laughs) All right. Uh, Me, I've got a – I have hawked extra credits, and then they started doing extra history. They got a new one out called Extra Sci-Fi. They've done done science fiction – like. They've done the history. They did Frankenstein. They've gone uh, Gern's back. They uh, Hugo, and they uh, on anything and everything that has made where we are now in sci-fi where we are. But the thing is, they're not. They're being as accurate and acknowledging that you know the 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 guy that kind of made sci-fi what it is. Uh, you know, it, it, you know, that, that shot off, like that got Asimov and, and going and, and Arthur C. Clarke and all that was a racist and he bought into Dianetics. He's the reason Scientology really made it popular because he pushed it, but they're honest about it. They sing what was great and they are very honest and they don't explain away things that were bad. Like, you know, that. That was actually kind of really cool. So they went into, you know, certain things. You kind of like you raise your eyebrow. I'm like, all right, darn. Yeah. Well, you you got to acknowledge stuff like that, and the yeah, and but it's kind of fun. But it's so kind of fun, you know. And they did they did a little touch on William Gibson, and then they they said yes, we're going to do a lot more on him. So yes, they do have Gibson in there already. So cool. (laughs) All right, take us home. All right. So as as people know, I I like comics. And <gasps> I do actually. And <laughs> I have found Image just started releasing a a very interesting uh new series. It's called Infidel. And it is a horror comic set in present day America with like racial tensions and all of these other things going on. Like 
the main character is this Islamic woman and she there's something going on with her like it's it's really early in the series but it's been so good and her husband is a soldier that was in the Middle East fighting and it's like as after all of this has happened and like his family interacting with her and like all of that tension that builds that makes for a great horror story. And at first I was like, ah, oh, this looks kind of weird. I, I want to, ah, oh, they've only got issue two. So I'm like, I can, I can read an issue online. So I'm like, I'll read the first one online and I've already got the second one. And the third one just came out this week. So it's really good so far. So yeah, Infidel from Image. Sweet. So yeah. All right. <sighs> like you made it through another episode, learning, learning new stuff to learn. I guess would be a good way of describing it. Learning new stuff to learn. Yes. Yeah. Thanks for joining us here on Seize the GM. We hope that we've been able to inspire you to find a better footing for your GMing, or maybe take up GMing. If nothing else. Maybe you found a new book to read this week. And if you got books you want to recommend us, you can you can go on our Facebook group and talk about them. Like, like, come on. If everyone shares books, that means all of us find more awesome stuff to read. Who yes. wants to be born? And I read I a lot. <laughs> I promise for GM Library Part 4 in a year or two when we do it, I'll try to have more than one recommendation. <laughs> in a year or two. Why do you yeah. think you have a whole year to prep for the next one? all right guys well we'll see you guys next week have an awesome time and roll some dice bye-bye you can contact us or the show using twitter facebook or plain old email our Twitter accounts are at Zendead, at Jules Podcaster, and at 2050GardeMoget. And the show's Twitter account is at SeizeTheGM. You can find us on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash SeizeTheGM. Or chat with us and other RPG lovers in our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash SeizeTheGM. You can email questions or comments to the show at admin at seizethegm.com. And if you have a few bills you want to send us, you can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash podcast. And we thank you. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Seize the GM. Feel free to leave a comment about this episode on our webpage, www.seizethegm.com. Let the dice fall where they may, and we'll see you all again next week. Seize the GM is released under a Creative Commons, Attribution, Non-Commercial, Sharealike 4.0 international license. All copyrighted materials referenced herein are held by their respective owners. No infringement intended, and no claim of ownership is implied. The music for the show is Dreaming Spirit off the album Ghost Machine by the Enigma TNG. His music is released under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, 
3.0 unported license.